We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Today, we got a special episode. We're talking about the Chicago Sky, a team that is in the semifinals of the WNBA playoffs. They are two wins away from going to the WNBA finals. It's a really exciting team, a really exciting time in the franchise's history. And we got a special guest with us today, Jason. It's Chris Pennant from the Skyhook podcast. Chris, is I've seen you at Sky Games this year as a credential <laughs> media member. You've been uh, around the team, following the team all year. So, Chris, thanks for joining us. I guess I'll start off with this. The Sky were 16 and 16 during the regular season. Uh, their, I think their regular season was sort of like defined by both injuries and inconsistency. They had a seven game losing streak without Candace Parker early in the season. Candace comes back, they win seven in a row. Uh, if you look at their like season long, like offensive and defensive, uh, metrics, like there's 12 teams in the WNBA. They were like seventh in offense, sixth in defense. So, you know, in general paints the picture of sort of an average team. Coming into this year, I was really optimistic about this guy. I think like right now we're sort of seeing like what they could have been all along, perhaps uh, without some of those injuries, without some of the bouts of inconsistency. So I'm just curious, like what was your take on this Sky team entering the playoffs, uh, you know, coming off the regular season? Uh, obviously, there's there's so much talent in the WNBA because there are so few teams. So, uh, you know, like what were your general impressions of this Sky team at the start of this playoff round? But Ricky, uh, James K., my co-host on the Skyhook, will tell you, I thought the Sky were one win and one loss, and that was going to be it. I thought they were going to – they had a good chance to beat Dallas, even though they don't have a good home record this year in the regular season. They were 6-10 and 10 at Wintrust. But Dallas is a team that, they, even though they've had trouble with, I figured that they could win that first game, and then they would go to Minnesota and they would lose a close one because that's, the, that's who the team has been. Um, since last year down in Bradenton, they would get a big lead kind of turtle at the end of the game. And either they would pull out uh, like a heart stopping win or a really close loss. And I think that was, was, that was what was in store for them in Minnesota. Instead, they won two games 
pretty handily, and they gutted out a double overtime win their third game in six days. So we, we haven't gotten to last night's game two yet, but I'm, I'm incredibly impressed. I, I've eaten a lot of my words already, and this guy haven't even um, gotten to the precipice of the finals yet. Yeah, so this guy had to win two single elimination games to make the conference finals. Connecticut, meanwhile, their opponent. 26 and 6. In the semifinals, <laughs> yeah. the best team in the WNBA, yeah. like Jason Dominant. said, 26 and 6. Uh, they have the MVP in John Quell Jones. They had one of the highest, they had one of the best defenses in league history, uh, number yeah. one in the league this year, and like one of the best ever. And their net rating, number one as well. So the Sky are in for just a huge battle in this series, but the Sun had a long layoff coming into the final semifinals. And the Sky won an instant classic double overtime game. They dropped game two. Uh, so, like, what has been impressive to you, I guess, about how they have matched up against the Sun so far? The Sun lost one home game all year. They're 15 and one at home. And the Sky came out and beat them game one. Just an incredible performance. I know last night, uh, game two didn't quite go the way we hoped it would, but uh, just your impressions of, you know, what what this guy have done thus far in this series and sort of what they're up against. So Candace Parker comes in and she is a hall of famer. She's got hall of fame resume. Even if you, even if she had had a very good WNBA career, I think on the strength of her college career at Tennessee, she would make the basketball hall of fame, but she's a former MVP, former champion with the Sparks and yet and still their leader is Courtney Vanderson. So both of those players came out with supreme confidence in game one and game two. Connecticut has the best defense. They've got paint presence with John Quell Jones, uh, Bree Jones, uh, Alyssa Thomas, now that she's back. And then this guy went immediately to the paint and started um, getting layups. They went, they got layups over Jones, both of the Jones, Ziz, and they were shooting threes, which they have not shot uh, this season, as well as they have historically under James Wade. They were, uh, Courtney Vandersloot, the passes that she was making in game one, the assists she was getting were off the charts. And for a person who's watched her for five years now, it was enthralling watching those plays she was making. Those are, those are passes that your coach, it does not tell you to make. Those are passes that <laughs> born point guards make because they know that they'll get to the right spot. So the fact that the sky, who again, were mediocre in so many statistical categories have come out with such offensive confidence. And at the same time, I think they carried over some of that defensive intensity that they had against Minnesota. If you saw that game against the Lynx, they were jumping a ton of passing routes. They were uh, getting around defenders and calls where referees, a lot of times they'll call a foul on those plays. And they were just like, we are going to get this ball. The only thing that stopped them in game two uh, was fatigue at the end. Uh, and that's a good sign for Scott, for the Sky and their fans. Connecticut's defense has been playing the same way they played all season. But I don't think that they got smothered, the Sky. I think they just got tired at the end of that game. Yeah, I was going to bring up uh, last night's game, too, that fourth quarter. I guess, first of all, I will mention Courtney Vandersloot. She had a triple-double in game one, 12 points. <laughs> Uh, 18 assists. I think that that break a WNBA record for assists in a playoff game, right? And I think that yeah. that tie her the second triple double in playoffs yeah. history. Yeah, and then yeah, 10 rebounds and then four steal as well. And that was in 44 minutes. Like you said, with all these games, like uh, with that you said third game in six nights. I think I mean just monster performance. 
uh, playing all those minutes and having, like you said, all those incredible passes throughout the game. Yeah. And then I think that you mentioned the fatigue. It seemed like it just came into effect last night because they had a one point lead. I think it was one point lead going to the fourth quarter. I think it was 59, mm-hmm. 58. And then they only had nine points in the fourth quarter. Like three of those was like one less, like a bomb three in the last minute. So they basically just said, I think they were like scoreless. Only had a couple points over like the first five or six minutes of that fourth quarter. Like it reminded me of watching the Bulls of like the last few years, where like they'd they'd be in games and then they would just fall apart in the fourth quarter. But like you said, it was more. It seemed like it was more fatigue. I mean, after you play these games, you play a two-zero overtime game, uh, you just run out of gas. I mean, you're playing the best team in the league in the fourth quarter, and you're just you run out of gas against 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 an elite defense. Like nothing to be ashamed of there. Like obviously a bummer since they were in position, they got off to a great start. I think they were up like nine points in the first quarter and they had the lead. They took the lead back in the third quarter after going down at half. Uh, so it seems like you are like, you're feeling pretty good, even though they, they did kind of fall apart there at the end, they tired out, but it seems like you are feeling pretty good about with this series shifting uh, to win trust. Uh, I guess what looking ahead just after what happened in game two, looking ahead to game three, just like what, what do you think is going to happen there? What did this guy have to do to, to win that game and take advantage in the series again? Uh, outside of the WNBA travel difficulties. Yeah, I was, was going to bring that up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Three flights at two yeah. different airports that the Sun are going to have yeah. to do. I mean, let's leave that aside for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, to answer your question, Jason, I think they've got to be confident. They've got to they've got to use the home crowd to their advantage. And they've got to come out with the energy that they're hopefully recouping this weekend. Because that game Sunday afternoon. They'll be coming back to um, Chicago probably last night this morning. And you, I, I want to. I wonder if James Wade is going to have a practice, especially even at this point in the season where you're playing 32 games. This, the way the season played out with um, Olympic training camp, Eurobasket at the beginning, then the Olympic break. It's been a longer season, even by WNBA standards. So I wonder if he's going to have a practice at all, just to allow people time to get some rest, but they got to come out with energy, the confidence to shoot from the outside that they had in game one and game two and uh, getting to the foul line. They got to the foul line, a healthy bid in game one, 21 foul shots, even though Connecticut got 31, the sky are not historically good at um, getting a high free throw rate. So they, they only got to the foul line 11 times in game two. I think some of that was fatigue, but they had good shot opportunities in the fourth quarter Miss and I think that was part of it. Brutal. Yeah. Oh my God. That diamond to shield miss. Yeah. yeah. That could have, I think, cut it to a two point game. I think it was going to tie the game. I was just looking at the play by play. I think that was 61 right, yeah. 59. Yeah. And then she missed that put back with a couple minutes in the fourth. Brutal. And there was another <laughs> play where she had a, there was a fast break and it was one of those where you put it up on the run and it just bounced off the back iron. Those are fatigue plays, right? Yeah. Those are unlucky bounces for them. The 50 50 balls Connecticut got, you can, you can live with those to some degree because Connecticut's so good on the offensive glass, but you have to be able to get to the foul line and make those shots that, that you can't necessarily make when you're running on, you know, limited rest. So game three, Sunday, at home on the wind trust, at the wind trust, right off the green line, Chicago. Skip this Bears. Make it. Bears don't <laughs> make <love> it. <laughs> the Bears don't love you back. Go to the Sky game. That's what I'm doing. We don't, I mean, Nick Foles might be starting this Bears game for all we know. So yeah, don't, don't leave the Bears. Justin Fields, we love you. Bears, you suck. We hate you. But you know, we'll be back next week to support the Bears. Want everyone in Chicago to come out for the Sky game. So, Chris, 
like this is a Bulls podcast. Not sure how many of our listeners are super familiar with the sky. So let's just talk about like, why is this a team Chicago should root for? Like what is sort of like, what makes this such a cool team? Cause I love this team. This team gives me like sort of 2011 Tibbs era Bulls vibes oh, man. in a certain sense where it's just like every player is so likable. There's such great team cohesion. I can continue going into it, but I'm curious what you say. Like, you know, what, what is so compelling about this team? Uh, even before Candace Parker came, I, I was enamored with this team. I started covering the year that Elena Deladon had her um, MVP campaign in 2016. And I mean, she was magic to watch, but uh, the sky still had Cheyenne Parker at that point. Um, and she, before she, before she was traded to Atlanta or like going free agency, she was just like that player that she was like a Todd Gibson where she hustled, she built herself up and, and she was, she was so outspoken in press conferences. Like she was great. Uh, but you have Courtney Vandersloot who is she, I think sometimes you, you get this idea that she's a quiet leader and she's not. Um, she is as effusive and as ebullient as, as anybody can be on the court. She is so excited when her teammates make plays and she's a transcendent level, old school, traditional point guard who can still get her own shot. And she's being so much more aggressive in the playoffs, which is fun to watch. Allie Quigley's a dead eye shooter. She's a deep Paul grad. So that's the city connection. Uh, Kalia Copper is as Philadelphia as it gets. Uh, somebody comes on the post game every time and is like, Philly, what's up? And that's when you see cop break her like stolen face. And she's like, Philly's in the house. Um, she got a butt cake sponsorship in the bubble last year. So everybody who loves butt cake, that's a, that's a hook for you. And, um, Candace Parker is Chicago land legend. Um, I, it's, it's the way that they play the way watching Kalia Copper and Diamond to Shields get out in transition. Like it's, it's a stand out of your seat moment every single time. Like you think that they're going to, you never know what they're going to do, how high they're going to go. How, you know, like what kind of finger roll it's going to be. And then um, for everybody who, who loves coaches who are going to be screaming, James Wade is your coach. He's, he's your coach. Far and away, he's your guy. He is going to scream at refs. He's going to run across the court for timeout calls. Um, I don't, man, it's, it's a team that sticks with you. It really is. And, and the fact that they are, me being a White Sox fan, they're the only other team that plays on the south side of the city. I love it. I love it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Yeah, dude, I love watching this team so much. Like, I guess Vandersloot, I was listening to your Game 1 podcast, The Skyhook. Uh, everyone make sure to go subscribe to that podcast. Really good work, Christos, with James. Uh, and you were calling Vandersloot the point goddess. And I just can't think of a better yeah. nickname for her. I think she's led the league in assists five years in a row. She was drafted by the Sky in 2011 out of Gonzaga. She spent her entire career with the Sky. And just like in the last couple of years, as the league has started to grow a little bit more, people have started to recognize what the Sky are doing. Vandersloot's profile is really raised. She is awesome. I mean, I don't know if I want to keep making like NBA comparisons for WNBA players, but like she's very much like a Steve Nash or John Stockton type of player. Like, Stockton with the Gonzaga connection. Classic floor general. Uh, I said that she's one of those passers who sort of passes her teammates open. She doesn't need her teammate to be open to pass him the ball. She is like thinking, uh, you know, like two steps ahead of everyone else on the court. I love her ability to facilitate. And as Bulls fans who have watched horrible point guard play post D <laughs> to actually have a sick point guard on your team is so much fun to watch. So she's a legend. She's probably one of the greatest point guards in WNBA history, if not the greatest. Is this too much hyperbole for me, Chris? I mean, when you have a league with Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi still playing, it's it's hard to get that that greatest of all time lady. Taurasi's really a is. two, though, right? She's a two. Yeah, she's like a combo. And uh, but, I mean, even even so, like you have Sue, you have Tisha Penichero, who's like I think Sloot's um, not mentor, but one of the people that she really looked at. Uh, when she was coming into the league. But you're right, Ricky. She had a pass to Candace Parker in game one where she kind of drew the defense towards the towards the foul line and Candace was cutting from the right wing. And watching the game in real time and watching it in slow-mo, she she just threw a bounce pass basically to the to the restricted circle. And Candace wasn't there yet. And she had a defender covering her between where the ball was. And you don't see the ball again until it's coming out of Kansas, Candace's hands for a layup. Now, some of that is Candace Parker being that player who knows how to pick that ball up, get it up immediately. But that pass is... I've seen her a lot. I don't know if I've seen a better pass than that. <laughs> was that in double OT, too? If, if it's that was, um, oh, it might have been. It was, it was, it was one of the, it was either the fourth quarter or overtime. I think, yeah, I just know like my timeline was blowing up about all, all just like all her passes were just like insane. So, so Vandersloot's amazing, there. is your lead point guard. Then you got Parker, another legend. Yeah, legend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, probably again, I'm, I'm going with the hyperbole here. <laughs> Maybe a case for her to be a top 10, 15 women's basketball player of all time. Oh, yeah. No, there's no yeah. question about that. Yeah, right. So she rocks. 35 years old. Vandersloot's 32. So you got two veterans. Parker, a friend of mine who's a Sky Season ticket holder, called her Basketball Yoda. She's so <laughs> wise, so smart on the court. And she's got the total skill set, right? Like, she's got the size. She's hitting threes. She was Defensive Player of the Year a few years ago. And really, like, at times the Sky use her the way the Nuggets use Jokic, which is just, like, sort of running stuff through her. Uh, in the high post, letting her dribble the ball up at times. Candace Parker is a legend. So to have like two legends at in the front court and a point guard in Vandersloot and Parker, that rocks. Then you have Allie Quigley. I'm continuing my hyperbole. Stop me if I'm wrong. <laughs> he was the greatest the shooter in WNBA history. Man. One of them. Can I get away with it's one of them? It's gotta be. 
I top five for sure. I mean, she won a three point contest again this year at the All Star game. I think she hit forty five percent of her threes this year without having the number in front of me. That's Uh, but she was she's like a sick, historically good shooter. Uh, so to have her coming off the wing, she's also married to Vandersloot. Very cool. Right. Uh, so, you know, th- those two have a uh, great connection, great chemistry together. I grew up, I'm about the same age as Allie Quigley. I think I might be a year younger than her. But I remember reading, we're both from the South Suburbs. She's from Joliet. She went to Joliet Catholic. I went to Joliet Catholic's like rival high school in the suburbs called Providence. And I remember oh, yeah. reading. I'm, I'm CCO, man. I know. There you go. I remember reading about Quigley just like growing up and she was always just a dominant athlete. She went to DePaul and she spent her first few years in the WNBA outside of Chicago. She came back to the sky. She's been on the sky for a while now. 2013. She's she's 35 now and she's still a really high level shooter. She's kind of the only shooter knockdown shooter the sky has. And then you mentioned (laughs) copper. I love copper, copper and diamond. So then you got two like elite athletes on the wing. Copper is such a sick slasher, totally fearless diamond. I want to ask you about diamond. So my impression of diamond was that she was going to be a star. She's obviously the daughter of Delano DeShields, who I'm sure many listeners of this podcast will remember. Uh, And to me, like there's been, there's been some like something holding her back a little bit. She doesn't even start for the sky. I thought she was going to be like one of the better wing players in the league. Seems like there's a little bit of, I don't know if I want to use the word animosity, but like maybe her and James Wade aren't always on the same page, but man, when diamond gets cooking, I feel like diamonds, the X factor, she's so athletic and she had the big spike block in game two. She's awesome in the open floor she can kind of shoot threes. There's times where I watch her. I'm like, she kind of plays like Westbrook. She's just like, you know, <laughs> overwhelmingly powerful and athletic. Maybe gets a little tunnel vision at times. I think she shot under 40% yeah. of the floor this year. But like, what do you think the Diamond DeShield situation is on the sky? Because like, I really thought she was going to be a star. It seems like to me, and you can check me on this. It seems like she's hit about 70% of her overall potential. To this point in her career, she's still pretty young. And she's still a good player, but she's not like a megastar. Uh, so just like, what is sort of the deal with this guy in Diamond? And, you know, what, where's that relationship at with James Wade? The intricacies of that, I, I can't say. Um, I don't know if they, I don't, I, I don't want to speculate because I don't think that there's a, there's like a, a gap in their relationship or any kind of gulf or anything. But um, there's something to it because she got an injury last year um, and she left uh, Bradenton with Azrae Stevens uh, late in the season. And it was clear, I think, early on that she wasn't fully healthy yet. And so most of my thought process this year when she wasn't at that same production level that she was in, the way she was in 2019, was that she was still recovering from the injury. And it it could still be the case, but she looks pretty healthy this year. She has not looked like she's um, moving any differently than she did um, in that 2019 season. And I'll tell you, there were so many people on press row uh, Maggie Hendricks, who's at Bally now, uh, Tony Gill came out to a couple of games and everybody had the impression that she was going to be, like you said, a superstar. A lot of people at that point, um, I remember Maggie saying once and I was like, I was a little taken aback. She's like, she's a superstar right now. And I was like, y'all got to wait, 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 give it some time. Because it was still only her second season in the WNBA. But the performance that she had in their first round playoff game against Phoenix that year was, it seemed like the show had arrived. 
Like she put up 20 plus points. She had a block on Dewana Bonner. Dewana Bonner was with the Mercury at that point on a fast break that um, if anybody remembers those 91 Bulls and there was a play where Paxson had a chase down and then Scottie Pippen like comes out of the ceiling to just block a shot. That was the only, like immediately I was like, that was that play. That was that same play. Diamond came out of the rafters to block that shot. And I was, I was like everybody else, like she can only go up from here. And now she's really kind of like um, an energy player off the bench for, and, uh, and primarily there to play defense when Kalia Copper goes off or if they play them at the same time. She has so much skill. She's such a good athlete. Um, when she's going right, she can hit the mid-range jump shot. And for a time, she was the sky's best player in terms of generating fouls, like drawing fouls. She was their best player for that. So I am surprised. I know uh, there's a few people who think that with upcoming free agency and where their um, where their salary cap is right now, that she might be expendables given her production. And and Kalia Copper is going to get that max contract when it's up. I, I think she actually already she got that two year deal, and she's worth every penny of it. She's shown her ascension that she is worth that. So I don't know where Diamond fits in the future, but. This playoffs, these playoffs are going to tell a lot because she's a key to their success. So either it's going to be that she shows out and a lot of pe- a lot of teams are going to put up an offer sheet that the sky might match, or it might be time to move on. I, I can't say between her and James Wood. That I can't definitively say, but I know that her place on the sky going forward isn't as guaranteed as it would have been two seasons ago. She's my favorite player to watch on the team, man. I feel like the <laughs> team is peaking when they get good diamonds. Yeah. Right. She's just she's she's so tall, so athletic, flies all over the court, two-way player, uh, and just seems like she has so much untapped potential still. So still very young, too. So yeah, hoping for the best for Diamond. And I guess Jason, uh, I'll end with this. You can you can ask another question too, Jason, if you got anything. But yeah, I had one. I had, I wanted to talk briefly about the other series. Uh just because Diane, we mentioned Tarazi earlier. Uh, 37 Ooh. points last night in a 117-91 victory. The Mercury over the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, she had 37. Brittany Griner at 25-7 and 5. Uh, I know for the Aces, Kelsey Plum had a big game. Uh, obviously, Tarazi, she's she's almost 40 at this point, and she's still putting up these incredible games. I mean, obviously, she is one of the best. Uh, just how do you see? Obviously, the Sky still have work to do to get to the finals to play one of these two teams. How do you see this that series playing out? It's tough. Um, this is the best version of the Aces that anybody's seen since they got Liz Cambage from Dallas. And when they got Liz Cambage from Dallas, everybody picked them as a finals contender. Um, and I watched and I said, this team isn't ready yet. Uh, two seasons ago, they beat the sky on that. Derek Kahambi shot where she stepped out of bounds. We're not going to talk about it. Um, everybody said they were the finals pick then. I didn't see it yet. Last year in the, in the bubble, they got their shot and they lost to Seattle. And I was like, this team isn't ready because they can't get Asia Wilson and, and Liz Cambage to play together. And now they've found a way around it. Plus, Kelsey Plum has, has become who she was at Washington. And that is scary. The Aces, I think the Aces are finally ready. But the fact that Diana Taurasi came out on a bad ankle and can that many threes and Brittany Griner is feeling herself this. This has been Brittany Griner's best. Like she came in the hyperbaric time chamber this season. <laughs> People have been waiting for this since she got in the league from Baylor. 
like for domination, Brittany Griner. And she's she has held her own and then some against Liz Cambage, who's always been good. So I, at first I thought it was going to be this was like that was going to be kind of the cake series, like the Mercury might win one. They have a lot of talent, but Vegas is just better. But now this might go five. And that's saying a lot. Chelsea, like we talked all this about Courtney Vandersloot, and rightly so. Chelsea Gray for Las Vegas is so hard-nosed and so creative that it's so difficult to stop her. Then you have Raquana Williams coming off the bench, who's a microwave knockdown shooter. God, man, she's so tough. And, and then Cam Bage playing well. Jackie Young is playing um, about as better than she did in her rookie of the year season. Uh, Kelsey Plum, like we said. Dierica Hamby, who's not getting as much time now, which is kind of surprising because she's a do-it-all bench player. And Asia Wilson, who is last season's MVP. So Maybe the best player in the entire league. And, and left-handed. Every time you get a left-handed basketball player with a, <laughs> a wide-ranging skill set, God, I wish I was left-handed on the court. <laughs> I, I might have played some Bradley. <laughs> so for Phoenix to be matching them, game three, both of these game threes are important now. I, I thought that Vegas was going to get both games at home. Now both of these game threes are important. Uh, nobody wants to see any of these teams, so I'm not even going to say who this guy might rather face because they need to win game three on Sunday right. at home. That's <laughs> crucial. They were 6-10 at Trust. They have to win that game. Connecticut has to win too, but they have a bit more confidence just based on their record. And when, when you have the MVP with you, you have a little bit more swagger all the way around the floor. But – it's a it's a big game three for both teams. All right, Chris, I'll let you go. I'll let you go on this, and I appreciate you joining us. Uh, appreciate it, man. What did this guy have to do to win this series? Um, at the at the risk of of being uh, sardonic, I will say score more points than the Sun. Uh, but no, they they've got to maximize their time at the free throw line, um, and they have to maximize their chances uh, in the half court. They're not a great half-court team, and Connecticut is going to try and slow them down. Uh, Jasmine Thomas played a great game in game two. We haven't really talked about that. She was she was fantastic in the first half, and she and Breon January were one of the primary defenders, so they're going to try and limit the Sky's transition opportunities, but Connecticut's been kind of mediocre from the free-throw line, so the Sky have to maximize their chances when they get it and, be, and you know, limit the foul shots that Connecticut gets, but they will have a chance if Connecticut's poor free throw shooting continues. Awesome, Chris. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter, find your work, and uh, find your podcast? Uh, follow the Skyhook podcast on Twitter at Skyhookin. That's Skyhookin, no G. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Quandary Kitten. Shout out to Bradley University Improv Troop. That's K-W-A-N-D-A-R-Y Kitten on Twitter. Follow my man, James K. He's James underscore M underscore K-A-Y. And I'm on Instagram doing one-minute recaps after every game at Jake2 and the number five. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. And reminder, the Sky, the game, this game three at Wintrust against Connecticut Sun. That is Sunday at noon, right again, right up against the Bears game. So the Bears will probably suck. We'll see who they start at quarterback, but that game is on ESPN. So if you don't want to watch shitty Bears football, uh, tune into the, an actual playoff team in Chicago. Obviously, the White Sox are as well, but uh, for a, a playoff don't just basketball. Tune in, come out. Come out to I'm the game. That. If anyone yeah, wants great. to come, come hang in the stands with me, We're come on signing out. autographs. Yeah, absolutely. 15 bucks for an eight by 10. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. 
Uh, it would be nice to see. Hopefully, maybe some Bulls players will come out. I know they've they've come out to games before. Hopefully, they'll come out uh, and show out for for the sky. That'd be uh, that'd be great. So yeah, that's again that's noon Sunday game three, sky and sun. Huge game as you said, swing game with the series tied at one one. Thank you again for joining us. This was great stuff. Um, obviously, again that game three, and then we get the Bulls preseason coming up as well. So a lot of basketball stuff going in the city right now. We got the sky yes, playoffs. We got Bulls preseason coming up. Uh, we'll obviously be back with our next pod to talk about some Bulls preseason basketball. Uh, and if the Sky go to the finals, uh, maybe we'll do another one of these Sky podcasts. That'd be that'd be great. So, uh, as always, shout out to Blue Wire Network. Check out all the great Blue Wire pods. We got tons of sports going on right now. So please go check out all the pods across the network for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls, and kind of Chicago Sky podcast for this time. Uh, as always, please rate, review us, give us those five star ratings. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, you can find us. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those good places. Uh, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. We will talk to you guys next week. Go Sky, and hopefully the Bears don't suck either. And we got Bulls basketball coming up as well. So take, uh, have a good weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.